0: I'm a home visiting physician. And while performing house calls, I've seen the effect that psychotropic medications especially can have on people's minds over a long period
1: of time. Welcome to the Rock Your Retirement Show. My name is Kathy Klein, and I'm the host. And in this show, we don't talk about money or financial issues. We talk about retirement lifestyle issues. These are things that everybody needs to know, whether or not you've saved enough for retirement. So let's go to the episode. I am here with Dr. Camille Newton now she's been working with elderly parents for a while now she's a medical doctor she comes to people's homes through her medical practice home Excel physicians group and she's one of the doctors that I call traveling doctors you may also know them as mobile doctors and this is such a needed service especially for the elderly who can't get out and about but we're not going to talk about that today We're going to talk about something that can be really important to all of us, and that is how medications can cause dementia and what you can do about it. So, Dr. Newton, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kathy.
0: Thank you for having me here today. As you mentioned, I'm a home visiting physician, and uh, while performing house calls, I've seen the effect that um, psychotropic medications especially can have on people's minds over a long period of time.
1: So what would be a psychotropic drug? Give me a couple of examples.
0: Well, um, they're antipsychotics, which in young people are used for mania or psychoses, such as Risperidol or Haldol. There's uh, sedatives, um, especially the benzodiazepines, such as Ativan, Xanax, Valium, there are antidepressants, and a lot of the antihistamines can have a uh, anticholinergic effect, which means they block a certain neurotransmitter called acetylcholine, um, which can have a very uh, detrimental effect on the brain over a long period of time.
1: Okay, now you've said a couple of drugs that I am familiar with. One is Valium. I actually take Valium occasionally because I have um, dystonia. And the you know when, when I'm in between Botox treatments, and for my listener, I don't do Botox to be beautiful. <laughs> Get it? Because my eyes will shut if I'm not taking it. So I go to a neurologist for that. But in between treatments, sometimes I need to take Valium. Should I be concerned?
0: When medications are tested by the FDA to see if they're safe. They test medications to show if they cause kidney failure and if they cause um, heart failure and if they cause liver failure, but they're not really tested or labeled to see if they cause brain failure. Valium is a type of a benzodiazepine. It's shown to increase the risk of dementia. Uh, seniors, in one study, it showed a tripling of the risk for dementia within three years. Are you serious? So they're 2.7 times as likely to get dementia. Oh, yeah, my Yeah, isn't that gosh. horrifying? And not only that, a lot of my patients will say, I don't care if I get dementia as long as I'm happy, but they're set, the sedatives actually make people sadder. So a senior taking a benzodiazepine not only is a much higher risk of dementia um, in the really elderly, it almost guarantees it, but it will quadruple the risk of suicide um, in a senior. And a person, a a young schizophrenic taking a benzodiazepine can be up to five times as likely to commit suicide. Um, And even in young people. The sedatives can make them much more likely to die from other causes as well. We're not really sure why, but some studies show
1: up to uh, five times the risk for death. Oh my god! Okay, so let me let me ask you a question, okay? Because now I'm concerned. So, so I don't take it that often. When I do take it, it um, so I I have a prescription for five milligrams. And I usually will break those into quarters. So I'll take whatever a quarter of five milligrams is. Sometimes, occasionally I'll take a half, but I find myself to be too woozy when I take that much. Um, so I'm taking a quarter of five milligrams and I probably take it, I would guess, maybe in the third month, I might take it three or four times like in that third month, I don't take it all in the first or second month after I get my Botox, but in that third month, right before I get my next Botox treatment, I might take it two or three, maybe four times. Should I be concerned? Is it is it any amount or is it just if I was taking it every day?
0: I think that you're at much higher risk if you're taking it every day or taking it frequently. Um, the study that showed the increased risk of... Uh, dementia within 3 years being 2.7 times the risk it was really seen in the people who took 60 or more uh, benzodiazepine pills within a, a 1 year period okay so but still the less you take the less the risk but right. the truth is that we don't really know because the there's no labeling for this side effect.
1: And oh my gosh. dementia I'm...
0: is the most expensive and devastating disease in America. And yet, I believe, and I've seen in my own patient population, most cases of dementia, if not all of my patients, can be attributed to medications they were taking in the past. Really? It's a devastating problem that there's no warning. So I see people given warning on how to prevent dementia. They're told, "Oh, you need to eat right. You need to exercise. You need to, you know, do these word games." But the truth is, those methods have shown little if any benefit. And yet, we're we're selling people medicines that do the opposite of medicines such as anticholinergics that are supposed that cause dementia we sell people medicines and say oh here take aricept because it increases acetylcholine and increasing acetylcholine in the neurotransmitter is going to make your brain work better and you're less likely to get dementia so the doctors are saying we know this we know this that increasing acetylcholine helps uh, improve your cognition yet We're letting people go to the grocery store and, you know, by Tylenol PM, which has basically Benadryl in it or Zantac or Detrol is now sold in a patch. And these medicines have the anticholinergic effect, which blocks the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, basically working the opposite in the brain
1: causing dementia. So you're saying, I'm sorry, you're saying that Benadryl can cause dementia? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. All these medications I'm, I take, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm putting myself at risk for dementia.
0: But people don't realize is that we, when the FDA labels medications, we look at the other organs and we treat them as organs, but we don't, look at the brain as an organ. Our or, our brain is just like all the other organs. It's so sensitive to every chemical that we put in our body. Uh, my father, for instance, he was a forest ranger. He had a master's degree in education. He was very active. He uh, taught at the college level, and he was diagnosed with dementia at age 70, Well, I look back and it is history, and as I've learned more over the years that these anticholinergic medicines can cause dementia, I remembered that as we were growing up, my dad started taking a choricidin every night. Well, when you take choricidin, it contains a very strong anticholinergic medication in it called chlorpheniramine, and My dad was basically taking a very strong anticholinergic for years and years. He was diagnosed with dementia at age 70, and by the time he was 77, he no longer could walk. It was basically his brain. He couldn't talk. His brain had quit telling his body what to do, and then one day he tried to get out of bed and he just fell and broke his hip and ended up passing away from the complications of a broken hip. At 77 years old, looking back and knowing that my dad would go to the grocery store and you know, if, if he had a cough or a cold or a sniffle or hay fever, he would take this Choracidin. Over time, he probably felt like he couldn't fall asleep without it because the anticholinergics are very sedating. So people can become dependent on them because they feel like they're going to die if they lose a night's sleep.
1: I am completely alarmed. I am so alarmed because for a long time, I was taking Benadryl every night because I I couldn't sleep because I was stuffed up. You know, I was told, well, if you take a Benadryl every night, there's really no risk. You're not going to get addicted to it and that will help you. And it also is a little, makes you a little drowsy, so you'll be fine. So you know what? I am totally alarmed right now, Dr. Newton. We do need to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you, what can we do to keep our brains staying healthier? Because some of these drugs, I feel like I, you know, you need. So we'll come back after the break and Dr. Newton will give us some, not medical advice over the podcast, but she'll tell us what some of the things that we can do. Want to support the show? I do this show as a love project for you, the listener, but I have expenses. I have to pay for the hosting of this show every month. There's also the creation of the show notes. There's the editing because I certainly can't do that myself. So I've created a place where you can go To support the show for as little as a dollar a month. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support and select your level of support. It would mean the world to me. So welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I am here with Doctor Newton and she's a medical doctor and she's been talking to us about how some very common medications that I personally take cause dementia. And she found this out because she was working with patients, almost all of them that were, had dementia um, were taking these medications. And then Dr. Newton, did you do some research? How did you connect the dots?
0: Well, many years ago, when, while I was in my residency program, I started subscribing to um, something called Journal Watch, which is basically um, these doctors go through the top 20 research articles in all the medical journals that are out there. And they find the top 20 articles and write a summary of them and publish it every two weeks. And so it allowed me, I started reading these and taking tests on them twice a year. And it allowed me to learn from the literature, all the literature that is out there, I felt like I was getting a better education than a lot of the physicians who are getting a good deal of their education from the pharmaceutical reps who are always in your office. And what I kept seeing over and over again were that a lot of the medications that we think are safe Seeing articles that they're not so safe, and I started collecting them. Um, I now have over 530 articles in my collection. And sometimes when I start telling people about something like the anticholinergics, which we were just mentioning, they don't believe me because they're you know they were like you told Benadryl is safe and. So I would start pulling these research articles out. I would start handing them to other doctors. I started training doctors at uh, Camp Pendleton Naval Hospital uh, who are doing their residency, and sending them the research articles and kind of quizzing them on them, and hoping that they carry on the tradition of of watching the medications that people are taking and thinking before you prescribe a medication such as valium or such as benadryl or you know other medications that can be hard on people's brains the um, antipsychotics i think are especially bad a, a lot of times seniors are given antipsychotics for behavior and the antipsychotics are really meant for young people whose brains are overly active um, antipsychotics work by blocking dopamine, and um, if you block dopamine in a senior, you basically are creating a pseudo-Parkinson's, so seniors given antipsychotics can lose their ability to walk.
1: Oh, no. Um,
0: their faces can become very flat. They'll fall. You know, sitting in a chair all the time, they can develop pressure sores. So I could tell you some really sad (laughs) stories about some of my patients and also some stories that are very heartening because uh, patients have had good recovery or improvement. I've even had a few patients who've had complete recovery from getting off of these medications.
1: Really? Okay, so so I am going to go totally off the subject. Is that okay with you? Sure. So my bird... You know, bird like like a cockatoo kind of bird. I have him on doll and I've been slowly weaning him off of it. And the reason why he's on it is for psychotic reasons. My first of all, he's this poor bird has been my prisoner for twenty seven years. Okay, so he, he's freaking out a little bit. About five years ago, he started mutilating himself, and I don't mean just pulling his feathers out. I mean mutilate. He he picks some out of skin until it bleeds. And so the vet put him on haloperidol, which is basically haldol. And I had him up to a a, uh, a dosage that was really, really high. And another vet was alarmed at how high the dosage was. And it's, it doesn't help that much. I mean, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't help that much. So I've slowly brought the dosage down and it's less than half of what it would have been. But let's say um, one of the vets said that what my bird is doing is similar to cutting, you know, where it's usually young girls that will cut themselves, make themselves bleed. And it I guess it releases some kind of pressure in their I don't know. So what would you do to substitute? I mean, you can't just not do anything. And I know a person is different than a bird. But the doctors are prescribing these antipsychotics so that the senior won't won't hurt themselves or won't hurt others. What do you do instead? Well, let me
0: tell you a story about a patient I had named Pam. Okay, I uh, was asked to see Pam. She was 87 years old. She lived in a locked memory care unit uh, in Fallbrook, California. And the first visit when I went to see her, the two daughters were there and her son were there was there and he said, We want you to see our mom, but she was very dangerous, she kept she was combative, she kept fighting people, she kept leaving the facility, and we finally have her on enough psychiatric medication that she's Uh, calm enough. So we want you to see her, but we don't want you to take her off any of her uh, psych meds. So I said, how about if I don't take her off her psychiatric meds for at least a month and that way she can acclimate to where she's at and we'll see how she does. Well, I went to see her and on the first visit, she was on Risperdal and she was on Ativan. She was on Trazodone. And I knew that the family wouldn't want me to interfere with the psychotropic meds. But I also noticed she was on Vesicare, which is an anticholinergic medicine. And the Vesicare was being used to um, control her bladder. So I thought, well, or she's in a memory care facility. When she's in a, a memory care facility, she doesn't even seem to know what a bathroom is. I'm going to take her off the Vesicare um, because I know that's interfering with the way her brain is working and I'll work on the other medications later. And then over the next few months, I slowly reduced the other medication. And a few months later, I went to visit her and the uh, son and the two daughters were waiting in the room for me. And I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble now. Well, when I sat down, they said, we think our mom can move into the regular uh, mem- in the regular assisted living not in the memory care facility anymore so i started them asking them questions like you know does she try to hit people when i give her a shower is she trying to run away and they said why don't you ask her and so feeling a little awkward to ask a patient these sort of questions in a memory care facility i said well are you trying to run away and she said no, I like it here, but they have a room for me in the regular assisted living and the people here said that they thought that I could move into that room and I really like the room. I'm like, are you letting people give you a shower? And she says, If they will really need feel the need to help me, but I don't really think I need help with showers anymore. And she was mm-hmm. answering these questions like a completely different person. Oh my god. From so my first visit, she had not been able to communicate with me. She had fallen twice on that day. Here it was just a few months later. She's off of all of her medicines and she was communicating beautifully. So I went to see her a month later. She's living in her own room. I go to her room. She's there by herself. She opens the door, says, come in, Dr. Newton. I go in, walk in. I sit in the corner of the room. I'm looking around. And she said, oh, you must be looking for a place to plug in your computer. It's, uh, the outlet is right behind you to your right. Oh,
1: my gosh. I mean,
0: think about the mental capacity to be able to even tell me it's to my right instead of to her Right. Left, oh, my you
1: know? gosh. So, so what you're saying so, is some of these dementias are reversible.
0: So this was one of those rare cases. Rare. That was reversible. Rare. And rare. Okay. Um, I've had it happen a few times. She, a few months later, actually moved back into her own home where she hadn't lived for two years. I've had other patients who've had huge improvements to go from not walking to walking, dancing, gardening. Beautiful improvement. Most patients will improve quite a lot when you get them off these medicines. The trick is because sometimes there are times when you need them, the trick is to go low go slow and to keep trying to get them back off. So like with your bird, you know, I think the, if it, if, if you use it and it's not helping a lot of times people will think, well, I don't know what else to do. So they keep adding more and more. And then you end up on a high dose and you're not getting a lot of benefit.
1: Right. That's why I wanted to take my bird off. So you can do that with people too, just slowly slowly take them off of it. But the, of course, the doctor needs to be monitoring, right?
0: You know what? Doctors often write prescriptions and continue prescriptions because they think that's what people want. And so if the family member is pushing to help get someone lowered on a medication or help get someone off they're much more likely to be able to come off. If the family member is saying, this person's behavior is all I can stand and she's ready to go to a home, the doctor will keep adding more and more medicines to try to make the family or someone happy. An interesting thing about your bird is that in monkeys and in laboratory rats
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: in humans, the uh, antipsychotics such as Haldol, showed a huge measurable shrinking of the brain within eight weeks of use.
1: You're kidding. Eight weeks? Well, my bird doesn't have that big of a brain to begin with. He's a bird brain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So in laboratory rats, there was a study that showed that the entire brain of a laboratory rat shrunk six to seven percent. Which is a big shrinking in it eight is. weeks' use of, I believe it was risperidol.
1: Well, we're only supposed to be using ten percent of our brain, so if it shrinks down by eight to ten percent, we could be in big trouble if it's the percentage we use, right?
0: Yep, and <laughs> that's crazy. Um, definite. They say that being on an giving an antipsychotic to a senior with Alzheimer's because their brains are already impaired, just starting them on an antipsychotic advances their dementia by a year.
1: Oh my gosh. So basically the moral of the story is do everything you can to stay away from these drugs. And while you're, when you're not a senior, don't take these, um, these drugs like Valium and things like that. So I'm I'm definitely going to rethink my usage of that. What about, like, I would have never known about Benadryl. That's over the counter. Like, is there a list of drugs that we need to stay away from?
0: My recommendation would be to, because we don't, uh, there are some medications we know cause dementia. We know that the anticholinergic
1: medications cause dementia. If you were to Google. I'd never heard that anticholinergic. To me, that sounds like. Okay, so you're going to laugh. But to me, it's anticholinergic sounds like something that's going to make me not have to run to the bathroom really fast. So... Yeah, you're if,
0: hearing the word colon.
1: Right, and <laughs> urgent. I'm like, urgent colon. Urgent. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so but, it, but it's what not. Is it?
0: there's, a, there's a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. So an anticholinergic means it's blocking that neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Think of your brain as a muscle. Okay, if you put your leg in a cast and six weeks later, you take your leg out of the cast, your muscles will have atrophied and become really stiff. Your brain does the same thing. So if you take medications that block neurotransmitters, and that's what the psychotropic medications do, they block dopamine, they block acetylcholine, they block um, norepinephrine. Uh, serotonin. uh, Anyway, when you take a medication that blocks these neurotransmitters, it's like putting your brain in a cast
1: and the brain starts to atrophy. Hmm. But how do I know if it's a neurotransmitter? I mean, because I would have not known about Benadryl if you wouldn't have told me.
0: There needs to be a warning. And that is my primary goal for wanting to talk with you today. And that's my primary goal for trying to educate residents. There is no warning. There is no list of medicines. There is no FDA marking of a medication to say this affects your brain over time. They don't even list the anticholinergic activity of medications. They don't tell you that the benzodiazepines can cause dementia. They don't tell you antipsychotics or antidepressants can cause dementia. There's no warning. And we know it as a class effect. So I know uh, due to some of the studies I've seen, for instance, that Benadryl is anticholinergic. It can cause dementia, but Claritin is not anticholinergic. Allegra is not anticholinergic. Zyrtec is a little bit anticholinergic, but not a lot. So you're much safer as far as acetylcholine goes and anticholinergic activity goes if you have allergy symptoms and take Allegra or Claritin than if you were to take Benadryl.
1: Interesting. If you
0: have stomach upset. You go to the pharmacy, you look at the wall, there's you know, there's Tagamet, there's Zantac, there's Pepsid. Little do you know that Tagamet and Zantac or their generic equivalents are very anticholinergic, but Pepsid is not. So you grab one or you grab the other and you start taking one or you start taking the other. Five years later, it can make all the difference. You might be living in a memory care facility if you take Zantac for five years versus pepcid. The medicines do the same thing, but one is anticholinergic and the other isn't. Do we know, though, because both of them are H2 blockers, do we know that if blocking the histamine receptor causes dementia? I don't know. The reason I don't know is because we don't test medicines to see if they cause dementia over time. It's a huge error in our whole system of testing medications. And why? Maybe they think it's too expensive to test a medication to see if it causes dementia over time. Yet Alzheimer's or dementia,
1: it's the most expensive illness in America. And and it's not covered. It's not covered by Medicare. I mean, <laughs> it's it,
0: it, <laughs> And the care, the care, people having to take time off work to lose their jobs, to
1: hire somebody, all of it.
0: Watching my mom trying to take care of my dad. My dad had been the rock of the family. He had looked after everybody. He, He was like the entire foundation of our family. And then to lose him to dementia, one little brain cell at a time, over many years, even 10 years before he was diagnosed, having personality changes and becoming more and more difficult to be mm. around, to lose a person from that when it could have been prevented. I had, uh, my dad had been taken to Choracetam. I had two patients over the years who had family members that were essentially brain dead. Mm. Essentially no purposeful movement. Their eyes rolled around in their head, starting in their with diagnosis of dementia in their fifties and sixties. Oh my gosh, that's who young. Who I later, uh, yeah, who I later found out had been daily seeding takers. Mm. I mean, these medicines anybody can take them. I had a woman who had been taking Benadryl who scored fourteen out of thirty on a mini mental status exam, and um, I was eight, she was 90 years old and she had to quit driving. She kept asking me over and over again. She was basically taking Tylenol PM, which had Benadryl in it. So she kept calling me and asking me, why did you want me to stop taking that Tylenol PM? I'm having to spend the whole night playing solitaire and the card variety, which I think it took a while for her to lay out the card. Anyway, I got her off the, uh, Tylenol PM and kept doing many mental status exams over on her over the next six months. And she went from 14 out of 30 to 28 out of 30. And she went back to driving wow. nine years old, had this huge improvement and I had to quit seeing her as a patient. She no longer qualified for house calls.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome. You know, I mean, that must be gratifying to actually graduate a, a patient. <laughs>
0: The few times that it's happened, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Like one, the one lady I was mentioning to you, Pam, who was able to move out of the memory care, I still see her years later. Well, she actually went back to an assisted living facility about three years later after having a stroke. I continued seeing her, but living in an irregular assisted living facility and she still remembers me seeing her after the memory care facility she doesn't remember me seeing her when she was in the memory care but she remembers later and it's so gratifying i keep telling her you're one of my my success stories i'm so happy about that but what makes me really sad is that every single day when i see new patients and I can go back and look at their medical record. They went to the doctor, you know, two or three years ago, they were having some dizzy symptoms. The doctor hands them a prescription for meclizine or they were having some.
1: So mecl. wait a minute. So meclizine is one of these same drugs?
0: It's anticholinergic. Oh my gosh. It's okay. Anticholinergic. So
1: Dr. Newton, I have to tell you, I could talk to you all day. I could, but. Our, I mean, we're actually already running over our time. I would love it if the two of us could put our heads together and come up with a list and then we could give it out to people who need that. I don't know. Do you have a website at all? I'm not seeing a website on my on my notes.
0: No, I don't. And I'm actually, uh, we just sold a business.
1: I saw that. Yeah. The, is that Pure Wick? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I and I've um, I'm continuing to work for the company that uh, bought our business. So I'm retiring from my practice.
1: Well, we're going to have to get that knowledge out of your head and onto paper so that you
0: know what I I wrote up a little bit of a summary. I can send to you.
1: I would love that. And then if you were
0: the notes for the UCSD talk and it talks a little bit about. Um, anticholinergics, antidepressants, uh, antipsychotics, and benzodiazepines.
1: I would love that. And I'll put it on my show notes for anybody who's interested in starting their own research. But it does sound like that a list needs to be created for people like me who just want to look at, you know, look it up. Okay, is Benadryl on the list? Is Mexcaline on the list? You know, what am I taking that's on the list? (laughs) Because probably if you're taking multiple... I'm guessing that that increases your um, your chances as well by taking multiple drugs that cause dementia.
0: Absolutely. The people in the highest level, for instance, of anticholinergic medication, 100% of them will have cognitive impairment. Not necessarily dementia, but some cognitive impairment.
1: Oh my 100% gosh. 100% of them. You know, this interview has been so valuable, not just to me personally. But I know that this is going to be one of the most shared episodes of Rocky Retirement. So Dr. Newton, thank you so much for coming on. What what you are doing is so needed. And I'm so glad that you're spreading the word about these um drugs that people people don't know about. They don't know that they're potentially giving themselves dementia down the road or at least decreased ability to think straight. So is there any last words that you want to say before we say goodbye? When
0: I start to tell people about how these medications can affect you over time, how they can cause dementia, the first thing that people want to ask me is, well, what can I take? What can I take? And my recommendation is don't look for something to take when you're having a problem because antidepressants for instance in half the clinical trials they're no better than placebo sleeping pills people become used to them and after a few weeks they sleep no better with them than without them even the antipsychotics don't do much to control behavior in, if any in seniors and they make people fall don't look for a pill to fix your problem you know and if you are on a medication and you don't know what it's doing to you over time, then see if you really need to be on it. Question every medicine,
1: question your doctor and say, do I really need to take this? That's my recommendation. That is a really good recommendation. Thank you so much for that. You know, this has been just really eye-opening, Dr. Newton. Thank you again for coming on the show. And for my listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show. Uh, when he decided to leave podcasting number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review, whatever podcast app you're listening to,